Hello everyone and welcome to the Film Connoisseur Podcast, the podcast where we share our love and passion for the movies. I am Mihai and uh, I am here with Stan. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And Georgie. Hi, hi. This is the first episode of our podcast and uh, what better movie to start with than Quentin Tarantino 1992 hit Reservoir Dogs, his first movie, the movie that started the legacy and gave us one of the most influential and talked about directors of all time. Uh, but before we start, one important question for you guys. Do you tip? Mm. Do we tip? Yes, do you tip? Georgi, do you? Maybe yes, but if uh, they their salary, isn't it enough? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. Pink had a nice uh, argument in the first scene. Interesting uh, thoughts, uh, Georgi. We will exactly get to that copied. later. Exactly. Uh, probably. <laughs> uh, Mr. Pink's playbook, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so... It's because of him. I, uh, I didn't mm. even think about it before, but it's an interesting thought of Mr. Pink. Isn't that a beautiful thing about Tarantino movies in general, though? They really give you a new perspective and uh, make you think on subjects that usually Random go subjects. by you in, uh, in ordinary daily life. But then you see a bloody movie by this brilliant gentleman and uh, boom, your, your worldview is kind of twisted and you yeah. got to reconsider it. That's because like his dialogue is very random and very uh, down to earth. Like even but, the gangster talk about like usual stuff. Yeah, he does that to uh, just make you feel like you're in a normal setting with how friends talk and yeah. they're not, not so different than you. It's a really interesting way to make the audience uh, feel comfortable for sure for sure so guys let's start with some first impressions uh, how was watching it for the first time and how was uh, re-watching it for this podcast Stan? maybe <clears throat> maybe if we should share the story of how we saw it the first time if, if anybody remembers though um, let me start I think my very first time was way back in 2013 or 14 which is now what um, seven, eight years ago, and uh, I was, I was nineteen, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, still a young, fresh kid, no, uh, no real uh, experience with uh, proper, decent movies. Uh, until then, it was mostly, well, I'm not going to mention any uh, franchises such as Marvel, <laughs> but you get my drift. <laughs> we see. Um, we so yeah, it was one of my first exposures to very first time I was exposed to a Tarantino movie, to to the genius of the man. Was it your first Tarantino movie? Mm, I'm struggling to remember that, but possibly it was, because I remember I intentionally wanted to see the movies as they were released. Oh, in, in chronological that, order. Yes, indeed, in that particular order, in order to see the progression in the, in the producer's uh, work and uh, his master mastermind his craft so i was really struck by by the movie because again and until that point when you're used to watching some romantic comedies and uh the ordinary superheroes uh types of movies uh, a bunch of uh a bunch of gangsters who are actually not so gangster but uh, rather normal people uh, doing a big, big job, a job gone south, as we know, was a rather, rather spectacular thing to see. Um, and I was, I was pretty impressed by, yeah. by it. It's a great movie for a teenager. Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah, I second that. What about you, Georgi? Um, I don't really remember my first time I watched this movie. It was probably uh, a long time ago, but it's not my first Tarantino movie, actually. It's, uh, I actually discovered Tarantino by searching for the best-rated movies when I was little. On I, IMDb. 
yeah, on IMDb, there's, you know, the list. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 250 best movies. So I started from there. And Pulp Fiction, I think, is maybe in the top 10 somewhere. Yeah, I don't, sure. I don't know. sure. Yes. So, yeah, five was, even. yeah, Pulp Fiction was my first Tarantino movie, and I, I fell in love. So I... Uh, then I discovered that this director has made more, uh, more movies with good quality, with good ratings. So, from from then on, I just uh, started watching every every single one of them, and I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, personally, yeah, I think uh, Reservoir Dogs is a brilliant movie. Like maybe one of the best in this uh, in this genre, this uh, heist crime genre. And, and also it, it clicked very well with me because I'm a big fan of these uh, movies that only take place in one location, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's call them theater movies. Like uh, Eight Angry Men. Like that, oh, that, that's one brilliant movie. Twelve, I think you're, you're thinking. Ah, yeah, sorry, yeah, Twelve Angry Men, yeah. My Unless head. four of I, them quit before. No, I no, no I was thinking of the, the Hateful Eight. <laughs> it's the I same, see. like, only in one, only one location. Yeah, so uh, I've seen it like four times, Reservoir Dogs, and every mm. time I find something new to like it, to like about it. First time I've seen it uh, a few years ago, I didn't like it as much the first time because uh, I was focusing more on the story and uh, the dialogue just uh, passed over my head. And I think the, the most important thing in this uh, movie is uh, the characters and the dialogue. So now every time I watch it, I, I pay attention at these things. Yes, indeed, the unfolding of the characters of each person in, on the cast is just astonishing. And just a slight input there, because Georgi mentioned uh, IMDb. Uh, I'm seeing now that Pop Fiction is a, sits comfortably at the eighth position, uh, uh-huh. so it make, makes the top ten. Uh, while our subject of today's conversation is... Doing 100 not, maybe not too badly it is within the 100 uh, top movies yes uh 19 the 90th spot it takes with an average score Oof. of 8.3 yeah, pretty good pretty good it, it is it is great um and it's squeezed in between um 2001 a space odyssey another great movie oh, wow. but um yeah back, we need to talk from, about that in uh, yeah, in the 19th 1968 and in in the 91st position i can see like stars on earth from 2007 i haven't seen this one have oh, you guys yes yes i, I did I, I i haven't either it's it's mm. pretty good it's interesting oh yeah, it seems so, uh, to be it seems to be coming from i don't want to offend anybody but india or yeah it's, a, it's an indian movie world? it's an uh-huh. indian movie uh why, why, why would you offend anyone if it's coming from India? Oh, because, you know, if you say that if a movie, um, I'm going to give you an example with the Balkans, because if something is done, in, is done in Bulgaria and then somebody from the other end of the world, from Australia, says, oh, I've actually seen that Serbian movie. You're going to flip out, mate. You know that. <laughs> or at least <laughs> some people would. Okay. We might not be among these people, but there are definitely uh, cases like that. No, I've seen it. The the story is touching. is uh, is nice. <laughs> you, I I I can recommend it. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. So let me warn our uh, our listeners that uh, we will have a full spoiler discussion about Reservoir Dogs. So if you haven't got the chance to to see it, go and watch it and come back to this podcast. Or never so, come back oh. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So let's get let's get into the story. Uh, I will uh, I will re- I will read the short summary so uh, the people who see who seen it uh, many years ago can uh, remember what it's about. So six criminals with different names with different pseudonyms like Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, and Mr. Brown are hired by big boss uh, Joe Cabot and his son Nice Guy Eddie to carry out a robbery. Unfortunately for them, the heist goes terribly wrong and they are forced to uh, shoot their way out. At their warehouse rendezvous, when they meet after the, the robbery, the survivors realize that they were set up and they try to find the traitor in their camp. 
this is the short summary. So yeah, let's let's talk about the prologue scene, the the, the first scene, the dialogue scene at the diner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where they discuss uh, Madonna's hit piece. Um, yeah, they discuss yeah. everything. The, like a virgin. Tarantino's only part in this movie. It just came first and just to discuss uh, Madonna's uh, feels like a virgin. And then he died during the robbery. <laughs> yeah, and then he died. <laughs> Well, Tarantino really taking care of the important stuff here, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, a robbery is a robbery, a heist is a heist. But then again, there is only one conversation of like a virgin. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the first scene, like how, how it starts with the tracking shot uh, revolving around the, the diner and the table. And I think the dialogue there is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And also, if you pay attention, like every character, like... Uh, has a different role in that first scene. And for example, Mr. Orange, uh, the uh, the cop, is the one who lets out uh, Mr. Pink because he doesn't tip. Uh -huh. So you can see from the first uh -huh. scene that he is the rat. Okay, yes, that's a very nice observation there, Mishu. Yeah, it's uh -huh. a hidden, hidden detail. Or maybe uh -huh. not so hidden. Well, that's what happens. You see the details when after you have seen the movie four times. I'm only <laughs> on my second time. <laughs> yeah so. for sure and like mr pink doesn't have sympathy for the others like uh, every every character like uh we we can see their true face in, in that first scene mm -hmm. mm, i wouldn't say he doesn't have any sympathy for the others i, I like the, he, do, he doesn't uh, actually through the movie he doesn't care about anyone he just yeah he's a selfish rational yeah he's, he's very very exactly. selfish and only wants to uh, save his his own ass. He uh, he's uh, he he is sure there is a rat, and mm -hmm. uh, he starts pointing pointing fingers at everyone. Yeah, and uh, he's sure only that he isn't the rat because he knows yeah. uh, he knows his actions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, he might be slightly off. Uh, Mr. Pink, but then again, what do you expect from a character called Mr. Pink, right? Mr. Pink. Also, I think he is the best best criminal because he hits the diamonds, uh, so no nobody could shoot him because they need his information. Yeah, they need him. Yeah, they need him. So, uh, and he is uh, always when something happens, he's always in a safe spot, like. He's out of range of shootings or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any conflicts. Like at the end, were... he he hides before yeah, the, the, end, the shooting starts under a stairs or something. Or... Yeah, yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, at the end, he he runs with the diamonds, but he's uh, he's caught. Like you can hear some yeah. uh, some ambulance and some, uh, yeah. some police. Yeah, that gets him. Unfortunately, we don't know what happens with him, but it is truly magnificent the way he makes himself unexpendable you know uh, as you mentioned guys that he he was always necessary for the job to to go on for the operation to continue he he deliberately made himself needed in on those occasions in order yeah. to ensure that nobody really um, kicks him out of the party <laughs> I, I really like the confrontation he has at the beginning with Mr. White uh, like the first uh, 30 minutes of the movie when the, when they are two, just uh, two of them together like they, they both want to seem like they are the professional one like they, they say this numerous times like let's be professionals here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they both have uh, unconventional morals and I think it's a, it's a very nice uh, interaction between these two yes uh, Mr. White has more than uh, Mr. Pink uh, because he is uh, in the in the beginning, he he says he he doubts that there is a rat. He says uh, about uh, Mr. Orange who was shot. He says no, he is not the he is not a rat. He is a good guy. Uh, he took a bullet, uh, yeah. but so he defends his colleagues. But at the same time, he can shoot a cop like uh, without even blinking. Like he shot a couple of cops. So. And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he has a very uh, strange 
uh, morals perspective. Yeah. 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 Well, would you call it strange if you had to stick by your friends, but then um, just do whatever is necessary in order to succeed in life oh. with regards to others? It's a bit of a Machiavellian perspective, isn't it? Yeah, for um, sure. But he shouldn't be friends with uh, with Mr. Orange. Like that's that's his first mistake on the job. You don't you don't make friends on the on this on these jobs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but... he, he he told him his name. Like, yeah, but uh, that's a big big mistake. In the beginning easy. of the movie. Mm -hmm. But how easy do you guys imagine it would be driving around with heat on your back? And with your buddy uh, in crime uh, sitting in the back seat with uh, with a wound in his uh, in his belly, like he knew that he thought uh, that uh, Mr. Orange was was just going to die, and I think it's inevitable to develop some emotional connection in these very last moments um, to feel uh, empathy for for a passing man um, what do you guys think maybe that uh, was the thing that pushed him over yeah for sure for sure but like they say they, they should be professionals in this job he he Im inflicts that he's the most professional but at the same time he does these mistakes these obvious ones yeah mm -hmm. and he, he he's the only one that doesn't believe until the end that mr orange is the rat even after yeah. even after Joe Joe comes in in the warehouse and tells everyone that I I wasn't a hundred percent sure on Mr. Orange, he still doesn't believe and he starts the shootout, the Mexican standoff with uh, nice guy Eddie and Joe. Yeah, that standoff was. Hmm. Well, maybe we should get there a little bit later, you know, because we're still yeah. at the very. Let's beginning. talk about Mr. Blonde. What do what you think about, about Mr. Blonde? A uh, total sociopath. Or maybe psychopath, even. I think uh, Mr. Mr. White is a psychopath. While Mr. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Bond, I think, is a sociopath because he enjoys hurting people. He enjoys to in inflict pain and torture. For the sake while... of pain and torture. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, oh. yeah. Those are the characteristics of a psychopath. But what I like that oh, all these characters are like completely different from each other. All these uh, like four main characters, let's, let's uh, call them. Yes, well, at the end of the day, diversity is our <laughs> strength, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So Tarantino knew it back in, back in the day when he was recording that very first movie, producing it, so... But yes, it's truly magnificent how he has put all these so uniquely different characters within the same movie, putting yeah. them uh, in the same situation and just allowing for the natural relationships between these characters to, to, to flourish and to form completely unhampered. It's, in, it's incredible. Yeah, for me, the, this is the key of the movie, the, the characters and the, also the, the non-linear storytelling. I, I think the movie wouldn't work as well if it was uh, like chronological order. Like, for example, if we started uh, with Mr. Orange, like to, uh, talking with the cops, knowing that he's, uh, he's the rat. Mm -hmm. What yes. do you think? Mm -hmm. Completely true, yeah. And uh, this is... Uh... Mm, this is a technique that Tarantino has used. Yeah, the non-linear storytelling, right? Yes, in some of his uh, subsequent movies as yeah, well. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Uh, first movie that comes to mind is Pulp Fiction, of course. I'm pretty sure he has... Uh, in The Hateful Eight. Mm -hmm. Yes. So he's a, he's a fan of this way of storytelling. But it's a way to make it more interesting. It's uh, It would be boring to... Be it to be chronologically, it, yeah, it would be like yeah, chronological if it's like this kind of movie, like any and other also, movie, yeah. yeah, also this, uh, the, the whole movie is uh, like uh, 10 
maybe a 10 minutes uh, shot in most of movies where there's crime and there's uh, there's heist. Mm-hmm. Usually the whole the whole movie movie is about preparing for the heist. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the aftermath is just maybe a few a few minutes of the movie while yeah. they yeah they get their self their selves together. Yeah, well, we only here, have like the he, aftermath and the, the beginning. Yeah, he made the whole movie only from the aftermath of the of the crime scene, without even showing us the very crime scene. Yeah. The moment yeah, we can only see Mr. Pink running from the cops at some point. Yes, that's that's a truly spectacular heist yeah. movie where it's you don't special. even see the heist. It's special. And yes, I think it, it just perfectly sets the tone for the rest of uh, Tarantino's career. Like all of his trademarks are here. The violence, the blood, the dialogue, the witty characters, everything is in this movie. Like It's just a perfect, perfect debut movie. Truly, truly, the things that set him apart are evident from his very first movie. And uh, from then on, he only manages to build upon these uh, and uh, in order for us to be happy as uh, as audience. <laughs> what do you think about the torture scene? Mm. Um, I really love the song, <laughs> but not <laughs> only. Um, yeah, stuck in the middle with you. And uh, Jesus... Mr. Blonde, absolute psychopath, but so smooth at the same time. He's this, you know, suave. Um, just, I don't know. If I could be like Mr. Blonde, I would be. Yeah, really? maybe without the torture. Really? <laughs> yes, maybe without the psychopathic, narcissistic tendencies that he. But that, that's that's his main uh, main character, like me. His main, main trait. Yeah, well, well, at the end of the day, I guess you can't really make an omelette without breaking some <laughs> eggs. So, psychopath, but, it is. The, blood, the, the, the man after shooting everyone at the heist and taking a cop hostage, he stops to to buy a soda and some fries instead of <laughs> just um, getting to the rendezvous point. He stops to buy soda. Yeah, well, with the cop crazy. in his in his trunk. Yeah, and also his coat, like. Uh, do you, uh, are you gonna bark all day or are you gonna bite doggy something mm-hmm. like that that <laughs> amazing coat so what are your what is your input what are your thoughts on the torture scene hmm? well i think it's absolutely brilliant you know the the producers wanted it uh, removed from the movie because they thought really? it was too violent and tarantino absolutely stood his ground and uh, he, he, Tarantino said in an interview that, uh, that uh, that's the best uh, the best scene from the whole movie. How how could he have taken it out? Mm-hmm. It's, the was most it? me- it's the most memorable, definitely. Yeah, and also the, the, the song stuck in the middle. When you hear that song, you automatically think about the, the scene. And if you have seen the movie, yes. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine this scene with, uh, with another song in mind. <laughs> it's just so perfect. <laughs> out to uh, to get the gasoline from his car and we can hear the los angeles neighborhood sounds and it's a it's a beautiful uh, tracking shot yeah how the how the uh, song fades away and drops in the background phenomenal and and then when he re-enters this uh, garage boom stuck in the middle with you again on air <laughs> lovely yeah so uh, let's get to uh, mr orange and his commode story like the story in the bathroom Mm-hmm. With which he fooled everyone. Okay. What Georgie, about it? Where do you, you want to start from? What's your opinion on that story? On the story he made up? Mm, 
when I saw it for the first time and when I recently watched rewatched the movie again, I thought how I would feel in his shoes, in uh, Mr. Orange's shoes, if I had to be an undercover cop in such a such a complex operation. Mm, how I would rehearse in his place. What is it that imagine the the stress that that comes along with it, the mental pressure of Poor you kid. having to remember some very small details of a story that has never happened to you. <laughs> and, yeah, he uh, just made everything uh, his own in that bathroom. He knew everything about that, so the, the, the details in the bathroom. Yes, and you cannot just lie about it as a one-off uh, attempt. You've got to remember it very carefully because it is very easy to tell if somebody is lying to you. Just ask them to tell you the story another time, maybe in another day or yeah. an hour or two later after they've told you something. If you have some suspicions, like it's, it would be very difficult to remember uh, or to reproduce usually memorable details if they have never happened to you. Um, and that's truly unique about uh, Mr. Orange's um, professionalism there that yeah he, well he nails it he rehearsed it for a for a long time like we mm. see some some beautiful two shots of him re rehearsing it one is on the roof and then another one in front of some graffiti wall just uh, some very nice shots uh, they actually there there are three phases uh, the first one was uh, uh, him uh, trying to understand it then him rehearsing it and then him uh, performing it and and it was the, the same story like uh divided in three shots mm -hmm. uh, though they didn't he didn't do it three times uh, two times just rehearse it and then do the same thing uh in front of the the other guys it just is just the uh directing of tarantino's uh, he made it uh, way more uh, appealing in that way. It's absolutely amazing, yeah, that part. And you know the funny thing? Yeah, the, the, the cops in the bathroom don't notice uh, him, like he has the, the weed on him, and they don't notice him because they are they uh, tell a story by uh, themselves. Like they speak with each other, and one guy tells the others about some story. So we have a story in a story in a story. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. <laughs> Uh, just to remind you guys, to let you know that we are approaching the half hour mark here, almost 30 minutes in. Um, yeah. Okay. No, no problem. We have more. No to problem. Discuss. We have, yeah, we have some more subjects. I, I, the funny, the funny thing is that uh, Mr. Orange, he uh, usually you would perceive him as in normal scenarios as the hero because he is the cop. He's uh, infiltrating the bad guys, mm -hmm. but in this particular movie, he seems to be the bad guy uh, because he, as he transitions to becoming a criminal, he changed uh, he changed uh, his his way. I think he, his personality. He, yeah, his personality. He became a different person. He he got so into it uh, into this role. Uh, that uh, he became a different person. Uh, he is a cop, but at the, at the one scene that they steal a car when they run he, from yeah, the bank, he shows the woman. Uh, yeah, he, there's they steal a car, but a woman tries to defend herself, and she he shoots her like uh, like that's an innocent woman. Yeah, but you is... can make the point that Mr. Orange like shoots in self defense. And afterwards, the, like we can see on his face that he's not too happy about it that he shot a, an innocent woman. He, he's not too happy because he realizes he has become a a bad person. Oh I come think. on! Imagine being blown in the belly. It's like, of course I'm gonna shoot that bitch. Come on! Even if she has a kid, even if she has a whole family with her, just oh. obliterate all of them. There are no well, good you, guys. You, you you can. You want to be. Like Mr. Blunt, but he's a cop. He he should defend those people. <laughs> I can just be Mr. Blunt being a cop. That would be amazing. <laughs> License to kill, bro. 
No, the characters are all too interesting, and there are no bad guys. There are no good guys. I mean, it's a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are equal, like uh, equal good, equal bad. They all exactly. have exactly reasons. And what do you think about the cast? I mean, the the actors playing the the characters. Mm. Well, they're typical. Uh, some of them are typical, like Tarantino uh, yes. stuff. Regular, like like, re- 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 regular. Regulars. Yeah. But they're on the pay- they're on the payroll of Tarantino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the payroll, but this is the very first occasion that yeah. they yeah. get on the payroll. This is something important that we didn't need to mention. All these, um, all the cast that we see and that we continue to see throughout Tarantino's movies. This is the beginning. This is the very um, very start of the romance between Tarantino and his and his fellas. Um, so from that very first movie being the success, the great success that it was, yeah. Um, the path is then laid for future collaborations between uh, the man um, and the actors. And the actors, yeah. Yeah, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal cast with Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi. Absolutely phenomenal. And you know, Harvey, mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel played a big part in, uh, in the making of this movie. Because Tarantino only, yeah, Tarantino like had a, an initial budget of like thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The money, the money he earned by selling the the script of True Romance, mm-hmm. you know, the movie True Romance. Yeah. And like he was planning to shoot it in a garage instead of a warehouse with some of his actor friends, but yep. then somehow he managed to take the script to Keitel, and Keitel was like a, a famous actor at that point, and Keitel absolutely loved it, and he offered himself to be one of the producers and also act in the movie. And so the budget was ra- was raised like one one point five million dollars, which is a substantial raise, isn't it? Yes, but it's still <laughs> a very small budget. But yeah, I good, know. good enough to make this indie debut movie. Yeah, for for comparison, Pulp Fiction had a budget of like eight million dollars, and mm-hmm. it's still considered a small budget movie. Yeah, Jesus, and, and I that... wish. Don't you guys wish that we had all of the Marvel budget for Tarantino movies? Wouldn't that be spectacular? Oh. I think he he has a good a good amount be, of budget. It would be too movies. much. He doesn't need that much. He doesn't really. need that much. Yeah, but still, we we have too many Marvel movies anyway in the universe. So um, yeah, we agree. We agree. <laughs> and, and let me tell you a funny story between Quentin and uh, Kaitel. When they met at uh, his uh, his Kaitel's house to discuss the the script, uh, Harvey asked. How did you come uh, with the idea to write this script? I mean, did you live in, a, in a, such a neighborhood when you grew up? Or was anybody in your family connected with tough guys, with these kind of gangsters? Mm-hmm. And Tarantino, uh, at every question, he answered, no, no, no. And then Kaitel asked, well, how, how the hell did you come to write this? And Tarantino said, I watch movies. Yes. Yes, indeed. Tarantino is the original Film connoisseur. connoisseur. Yeah, he's the connoisseur. Let's hope that one day we'll have him on the podcast with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah, we can invite him on the next one after he hears this one. Yeah, I was thinking for the first episode we could invite Joe Rogan, but he was kind of busy, so that's why the three of us ended up together. <laughs> yeah, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, we, we couldn't pity. get Joe Rogan, so we got Stan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing our best. <laughs> yeah, and what do you think, guys, about the criticism? Like when it came out, even even Roger Ebert like had a bad review about the movie. Like he said, the movie doesn't have a point. The the script is bad. The the story is not that interesting, and the characters just talk. Uh, haters will be haters. <laughs> That's it. Period. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think the the the, the reviews were like aged very bad because after you see more Tarantino movies and you see that this is like his style with the dialogue, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think you you will get it after you see more Tarantino movies. There there are very controversial moments in his movies, but the thing is that he can get away with it. Yeah, you other directors cannot yep. do stuff that he does. He can do so basically it, anything at this point. Yeah. So for the first movie, it's people didn't expect to see that, so they were shocked. Maybe, I think. Yeah. Also, the amount of violence and blood, I think, for that time was kind of unique. 
Yeah. Especially, mm. especially the torture scene. Oh, definitely on. Let's call it un- unusual scene. Yeah, that uh, that might be like one of the most uh, <laughs> harshest scenes in in history. In mm. Yes, and the, the way it was presented, Jesus, brilliant. Um, well, the criticism. Let's say that it's really easy to, I would say, hate on, but to be very critical of somebody who is just up and coming, somebody who's just making their debut. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the easiest target to um, to unleash all of your negative feelings towards yeah, as, well, a, it- as a film critic or as a critic in any field anyways? Well, critics tar- targets target everyone these days so <laughs> oh they they do certainly um oh oh don't they love marvel movies <laughs> I, i'm not sure i'm not sure <laughs> well no, but i think i think the script is like absolutely great for that time it And... depends uh, how much money that uh, the directors pay the critics i mm. think the most mm. important there goes the deep state question Who is pulling yeah. the streaks, the strings in the background? Who is yeah. paying home? <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's a we, we could we could never know. We could always take it. So, uh, do you think Tarantino paid? Who who do you think he paid? I think Tarantino. No one. I think everyone. He paid everyone to say that his that movies, his movies are bad. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then his career skyrockets. Uh, <laughs> Proving the critics wrong, but they're already sitting comfortably in their sun lounges on the Caribbean islands with his with the money that he paid them off with. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, you you know also there are some uh, papers that study the names of the characters, like what really? every color means. Yeah, so I can mm, give I can us some give some, some, some insight. On that, yeah. For example, Mr. White mm-hmm. is the nice guy, the the white knight of the group. And this color shows that he's an honorable man, because he is the only one who cared about Mr. Orange being hurt and did his best to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. Mr. Orange is like uh, uh, the negative side of Orange is related to insincerity, exhibitionism, and self-indulgence. Mm. Something like that. Let me let me interrupt you here for a bit. Yeah. I have heard about studies that prove that orange, the color in marketing, is used as a trigger to make purchases, to make customers purchase your product. If you slap some orange color on your logo or on your head page of your, of your website, uh, I believe that studies show that chances increase that you will register more purchases. And uh, in a way, how that relates to Mr. Orange is that he, as a cop undercover, has he to sell a story. That, has that's to sell why, the story. Yep. That's why Amazon and AliExpress mm-hmm. are orange. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah that, well, that was example. the second part of the analysis on Mr. Orange. You just took the words out of my mouth. But... Did I? Did I? Yeah, oh, very pardon well, very me, well. Michu. No, 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 not at all. Mr. Pink. Uh, this is the funny one because he, he asks for a change, remember? Yes. Like, he, he doesn't like the pink. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, because pink is associated with acceptance, calm, love, romance, like the exact opposite of the character. Yes, he might that's, not really represent those. That's why the name is quite <laughs> ironic as he's the opposite of the meaning. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Mr. Blonde is, uh, is the, the one which we only know, uh, which we know the real name. His real name is uh, Vic Vega. He's actually the, the brother of uh, Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. Tarantino confirmed that it's the same universe. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to do, do a movie with these two guys at some point. But Well, too bad they both died. Right? <laughs> I mean, no, not, he not the actors, a, the persona, of course. Uh, he wants to do like a prologue. Uh, yeah, that, that could work, indeed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Mr. Blonde is the only one who isn't given a proper color as a codename. Because, like, he's uh, the special one. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah, one to follow the rules. How can they do a prologue when both of them are old as 
No, oh, like he had this idea in 1996. But yeah, but way he back. Didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Blue and Mr. Brown are the boring ones that we, we don't really get to see in the story. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate. Maybe we there could have been some uh, interesting stories there about. Yeah, those maybe two if gentlemen. the movie was two hours or three hours, but. Yeah, maybe if the budget was was higher, maybe if we no, didn't but... commit that much money to Marvel. <laughs> my goodness again with the marvel hate. anyways yes no, I, ha- uh-huh. I think it's a good idea that the movie is like only 99 minutes because it has to be a fast-paced music uh fast sorry fast-paced uh, movie mm-hmm. especially for this uh, the genre and the way he wanted it to, to be told yeah, yeah. and uh, the the music is absolutely phenomenal right the, the 17th tracks 70s tracks i i, I absolutely love them which one do you do you like from from the inside? Little soundtrack? little green bag and stuck in the middle of it. My goodness, yeah, little green bag is also such an amazing song and it fits so well with the, with the uh, with the uh, the scene like where where they present the the the, the characters the when they walk. Yeah, yeah, the walking scene at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Mishu, uh, you would like to tell us uh, a short story where you have. This uh, sweater, don't you, with uh, the Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, I'm such um, a big fan of this movie that I bought. I bought a sweater mm-hmm. with and Reservoir Dogs written on it. Tell us what what the image on the on the front of the sweater is. It, ah, is this scene where they they walk side yeah, by yeah, side? Yeah, yeah, it's it? like yeah, the, the the six guys with their black faces. I mean, it's a, it's in white and black. It's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. And. Uh, what happened when yeah, recently? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, one guy like uh, one guy who, who doesn't watch movies like saw saw my sweater and he asked me, uh, "What what uh, music uh, band is this? What band is this?" <laughs> <laughs> like he had no clue. Oh, bless his heart! Bless his heart! Really. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to ask you how how would you rank this movie among the other Tarantino movies? Hmm interesting question i haven't really thought about that beforehand yeah me neither maybe um, um, but you can think average, as average for me for me maybe it's an average one ah in so in the, the middle in the middle of the pack. yeah in the middle yeah ah, there are okay. worse ones there are better ones mm-hmm. i see uh stan i sort of agree with um with the clarification that I truly appreciate this as the beginning point of Tarantino's career as a mm-hmm. producer. If we, did, if we didn't have this movie, we would never have his better movies. We would never, has, we would never have his worst movies. We would never have his uh, other movies generally. So in that regard, this movie, Reservoir Dogs, truly is special to me. Um, because from then on, um, history was made. Yeah, the legacy, the legacy started. Yes. So I, I think I'm the, the biggest fan from uh, from us three because for me it's uh, absolutely top tier Tarantino. It's in my top three, for sure, and it always has been in my top three. Partially because I think I love I love this uh, genre, mm-hmm. like the the crime uh, heist theater genre. Let's call it. And yeah, I absolutely love the movie. I adore it. And uh, I will probably watch it 20 more times until I will get bored of it. Oh, so I, I think it's, a, it's uh-huh. a timeless. It's a timeless movie for me. Okay. So I wanted saying... to ask you guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see. You see. Uh, just to miss you. So, Mishu, you said that you'll enjoy this, um, this genre of heist movies. What if they made uh, a Spider-Man versus Batman versus... Uh, <laughs> Uh, versus Superman doing a heist. Would you see that, and how would you rate it? <laughs> well, I will see it, and then I will, I will rate it. Who knows? My gosh, Who I'm, knows? I'm gonna slip my wrists even before I made it, make it to the cinema. <laughs> yeah, Georgie, what, what did you want to ask me? Uh, just to add to this, I usually don't like heist movies. They're mm-hmm. very, all of them are the same. Uh, they but first, special. they first they gather up the people. And uh, everyone, they show everyone's environment, and then they invite them. They say, "I'm in," and do this like eight times. 
they think you're talking they... about the Fast and Furious franchise, aren't you? <laughs> I'm talking about everyone, like uh, Fast and yeah. Furious, Ocean's Eleven, like they're all the same. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is a heist movie that doesn't do the heist. Like uh, that doesn't show you show you the heist. Yeah. And that only takes place in one location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys, how did you watch this movie? Like on a platform or? Oh, mm. I don't know. Like I watch it too many times to remember every time I watch it. Probably. Gee, what do you mean? It was on Netflix. Ah, well, I'm not sure if I will be liable uh, in like in front of the law if I say I download yeah, it let's, let's better on a website better. somewhere. On this podcast. Let's yeah, I think I got it on Apple Music. Oh, if they have music, <laughs> if they have movies. <laughs> I wanted Apple. to share it to you because uh, it's so easy to watch it. You don't need to pay to any, anyone. I will tell you how I watched it. Is I just it wrote on. I yeah, I will tell you. I wrote on Google, uh, "Reservoir Dogs watch online," and I clicked the first link and I watched it with subtitles with everything. It was. I don't know if it's if it's legal, but good for you, I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The... I don't okay. know either, but. Uh, uh, it's not me who's breaking the law, either way. Okay. Yeah, Fair just the consumer. Uh, now that yeah. you mentioned the way we have seen the movie, uh, like the platform and so on, I would like to ask you guys, what if we could um, rent theaters, or not rent, but have old movies play yeah. in theaters nowadays? What if we could have Reservoir Dogs uh, play next week in the cinema next to you well it would be amazing but you know in, in other countries they do this like old cinema old movies mm, but... they possibly do but yeah since yeah, uh, since myself and georgia from bulgaria you Mishua from romania i guess uh, that's not very common in our end yeah. of the world is it unfortunately not yeah but we can do it we can rent a theater and uh, bring uh, all of our friends to watch Right, yeah, dogs. all of our three friends, and then we're <laughs> gonna have a great party. <laughs> yeah, guys. So, uh, anything else you want to add to to this? Uh, Mikhail, I want to tell to you that uh, you probably don't know this about uh, Michael Madsen, the guy who plays Mr. Blonde. Well, I know everything uh, about Michael Madsen. <laughs> so, do you Surprise know that? He, do you know that he is in uh, Bulgarian movies? Ah, he, no. I don't he, know he's, yeah, so you don't know this. <laughs> I, that's why I'm telling to you. I, I know that you don't know it. That's yeah, why tell, me, tell me, tell me, please. So he he only uh, does Tarantino movies and some B-rated movies, I guess. Mm -hmm. But he appeared in Bulgaria cinema a few years ago in a, maybe some kind of Fast and Furious rip-off, some, <laughs> something like that. And... Uh, it's. I, I think it's a big de degradation, or a, mm. I don't know how to say the. Yeah, the that's word. interesting. Why, why did he choose Bulgaria from all of the countries? Well, Bulgaria is a very low-cost destination to produce movies. I know that several mm. um, famous movies have been made here or partially filmed here. No, but so he chose. To, not... He chose to take no. part in the movie to act. No, he, he he took part in a Bulgarian movie. Mm -hmm. Like they, they were talking to him, it was really funny. They talked Bulgarian, he talked English, and they understood each other somehow. My goodness! <laughs> and the name of the movie seems to be Rin Tin Tin, uh, whatever that means. No, I don't oh, think that. No, isn't it? It was something else with okay. Asen Botichki. Uh, was the the main character, the main uh, star of the movie. Okay, okay. How yeah, that? that's that's interesting. I think I've only seen him in the Tarantino movies and there he's absolutely brilliant, like in Hateful Eight yeah. and Kill Bill. And, he, he, really, he is brilliant in Tarantino movies and yeah. it's a mystery to me why he chooses some uh, B-rated Because movies, Tarantino, so. Tarantino with his script like elevates all of the actors. Like when you come to in a Tarantino movie, you are, you are already better. Because yes. he has such a good script and such good writing for the character. The very moment you've made the cast, mm -hmm. like you know that um, 
you're given a unique opportunity to um, but to get into the role. Shouldn't and, that skyrocket your career? Shouldn't that uh, make well, for you some, like for, for more some famous? Like for Samuel L. Jackson, for example, after he was cast in Pulp Fiction, he became a star. And oh, let's let's talk about Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. in some Another other episode yeah, because there is sure. plenty sure. to be discussed there. Um, yeah. So thank you guys for joining and uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening. And uh, thank, see thank, you. thank you. Thank you one person for listening to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, to wrap up, and... let's say that we're just a bunch of friends who started this uh, endeavor as something that we do for fun for ourselves. Yeah. And earlier today, by the way, Mishu, this might surprise you. Mm. Georgi and I spoke about uh, recording the podcast tonight and we, we said dude let's do it for Mishu he he seemed so passionate about it so ah, you didn't want to do it you didn't want no to no no that's not what I'm saying Mishu what I'm no. saying is that at maybe um, with age a person becomes less enthusiastic about for sure about certain things but I really loved seeing an 18 year old young man uh, such as you, being so passionate about the things that also me and my friend Georgi are truly passionate about, and that we which we enjoy similar art, uh, be it music or be it movies, despite this rather big difference in in our age. Because uh, I'm turning 27 in a in a bit. Georgi mm-hmm. is 26, uh, almost in in another four months and you're just 18 aren't you <laughs> yes no thank you thank you and i hope this uh, podcast can go for uh, for uh, more episodes in the future so let's hope hope that we'll be able to gain an audience of 27 year olds of 26 25 18 81 year old year yeah, olds for sure uh, everyone can listen to this podcast yes every genuine Film connoisseur can join us in our journey. Thank you. And shoot. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll see you at the end. Goodbye. Goodbye, ladies. Okay, goodbye.